This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on the phone is Scott Patterson. Scott, thank you for joining me today. Uh, great, great to talk to you, Clayton. How's everything going? Good. Yeah, it's going well. It's going well. We're uh, <laughs> like we said before we began. Uh, it's it's doing well for you with the uh, the Scotty P's Big Mug Coffee. So I want to talk about that. I'm doing well down here in okay. Florida. It's all going well, you know. Um, but let's hop. Let's just jump right in here. I'm curious. Um, the beginning of time for you. What were your What were your your theater dreams? Were they theater dreams growing up? No, you know the very first piece of theater I remember seeing is uh, in my hometown. They had an outdoor uh, theater. They had a uh, an amphitheater, and it was a uh, who was it? It was it was George M. Cohen. Mickey Rooney is George M. Cohen, and <laughs> I just remember being fascinated by the whole thing. My parents were involved in the local plays and players. My, apparently, my mother was a very good actress, yeah. uh, and my father so much i think my dad had one line and he forgot his line and that kind of thing. but my mother apparently had a, a, a real affinity for it and she enjoyed it i guess i have it in my blood somewhat it wasn't something that i grew up uh wanting to do as a career um but uh you know our family is uh you know it's a family of writers and lawyers and <laughs> yeah. it's it's not it's not actors so um um I don't know. I, I got, but that, you know, that was, that was my childhood. It really didn't involve, uh, being involved in theater. The only, the only thing I remember in high school, they asked us to, uh, uh, review the school play mm. from the point of view of either John Simon of the New York times, who was very, um, acerbic. And, uh, there was, there was another guy, who was a who was a little nut, who was a little less direct than John Simon at the time, um, and uh, so I took the John Simon approach and just kind of ripped ripped the whole production apart. <laughs> you got a good grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, look, I was very complimentary of the lead actor who I thought was a real talent. Yeah, uh, and he was, and it was just it was a musical uh, piece. And the girl that was starring in it, you know, she, she went on to Princeton and um, just a little too kind of a goody two-shoe for me. and classically trained pianist and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she was just too good to be true. So I, I, was, I was sort of unjustifiably uh, <laughs> malicious. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, uh, so, and that, that, that's as close as I came to any real theater. Um, and... Uh, you know that that yeah that was that was pretty much my childhood exposure to it. Uh, other than you know I really it was for me it was a love of film okay. um, because I was lucky enough to grow up in an era where you know two thousand and one a space odyssey was released and you know remarkable films were, were achievement in films were released so mm-hmm. I, I had a little better experience than I think people are having now growing up uh, um. You know when art when artists uh, uh, were making films, and I'm not saying that's not occurring now. It's just that there doesn't seem to be the support of it uh, at a studio level that there once was. Once was so it's so it's it's indie, which is great and it's thriving. And thank you, Robert Redford, for that. But it's not getting the kind of exposure that it deserves. It's, it, it, in fact, it, 
it's kind of a shame that it's sort of a smaller part of our culture, right? And, and that right. it's not mainstream, whereas before it was kind of mainstream. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, love of film really was what it was all about for me growing up. It wasn't theater. What was your, if you're willing to connect these three things together for me, studying comparative literature, the actor's studio, <clears throat> and baseball, how, <laughs> if you could connect that. <laughs> um, yeah, that doesn't really make sense, does it? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I had this odd, uh, you know, my sister told me, and I don't remember any of this, but what, from the time I was uh, very small, my father would come home from work and get me in the front yard and just throw baseballs at me um, yeah. and uh, catch them and throw them. And then by the time I was very young, I could hit a baseball over the house. And then I, I was just, it was just, it just felt so natural and freeing and easy for me. Uh, I didn't put any work into it. Uh, I never took it seriously. I never thought about it as a profession growing up. It wasn't this huge desire to uh, be the best of the best. And, you know, it wasn't, right. I didn't really, you know, it was the one thing in my life that I didn't see as or, or, or participate in to be competitive. It was just fun for me. I just enjoyed it. It relaxed me. I loved being out there. It felt very comfortable to me. And I was not aware that I was any better than anybody else. I just thought, yeah, we're doing, we're doing good and everybody's doing good. And sure. yeah, I, 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 I didn't really rate myself against other people very much. And, you know, I was very impressed by other people, but I was always playing with people that are, were older than me. Um, and that was just sort of natural for me. I, they, they picked me and they wanted me to be on their team. So I was like, okay, sure. Um, but it wasn't until I got to be a freshman in high school that um, um, I was made aware by the varsity coach that that I, something special was in store for me. And I didn't believe him because I didn't see myself that way. And I didn't understand why he was telling me these things. Um, because it wasn't like, I didn't come from this, you know, my household was different from your typical uh, professional athlete uh, upbringing. You know, it wasn't it wasn't filled with sports, and I mean, it, it was in a sense, but it right. was. You know, my family was always very academic, and it was really more about getting good grades and reading the right books and getting into the right school and that kind of thing. It was it it wasn't about sports. If if anything, sports would support. Um, some scholarship to college or something, <laughs> right. hopefully. Uh, right. <laughs> um, and, you know, after after two years in high school, I just walked away from it. I, I just wasn't interested in it anymore because they were putting too much pressure on me. So I wasn't mentally uh, strong enough uh, or adept enough to be this kind of team leader. I mean, you would think that somebody that had that level of talent would be aware of it and want to lead a team and want that kind of pressure and want that kind of recognition. And I just did not, it just, it didn't interest me in the least. I didn't want to be the center of attention. Um, and it just didn't interest me. It was just like, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying this. What's, 
all the hubbub about. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Get off of me with this. I don't know. I, w- I don't want to talk to that person. I don't know. I don't want to be the captain. Uh, no, I don't know. Just <laughs> let, let me alone. Let me play. And the, he couldn't figure me out. He was scratching his head. This, uh, and I just walked away from the team uh, before, before the junior season started. And this guy, this coach was just up my butt too much about being the captain and being a leader. And you have to, you know, you have a huge future in this and all. And I'm just like, you know, guy really. Um, and I look, I was just a kid that grew up with too many options. You know, I grew up in a very mm. safe place, a very well-to-do place. It was all about education. Right. Um, you know, it was a doctor and lawyer community, a small town. And, you know, the emphasis on sports was, obviously there i you know i come from a very very competitive environment i just was not able to handle the limelight i just didn't i didn't want it um what was the transition then uh for what you studied in college well i you know i went to college i was there as a student only uh i hadn't played baseball in two years and I was living off campus. I wasn't living in dorms. And I was studying, you know, I was taking my, you know, the basic courses, the, the physics, the calculus, the computer science, um, history, political science. And, and my roommate was a PhD candidate. I had a bunch of roommates. I lived in a big house. Mm. <clears throat> and um, very eclectic house, interesting people. And so we were throwing the football around one day in the street and, you know, he kind of marveled at my arm strength, I guess. And he said, what is that about? (laughs) 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 And, uh, you know, that began the conversation of what had happened in the past. And he convinced me to, he said, you're crazy not to pursue this. Um, And so I thought about it, got back in touch with an old uh, summer league coach from when I was 15. And, you know, I said, listen, I think I'll get back into it. Um, so I, we, I got in shape and we did a major league scouting bureau tryout and I got a bunch of offers, but I, I went on to college, another college and on, on to get a scholarship at USC because I wanted to be with that program out in the West coast. And, you know, then I started getting competitive. That, that's when it kind of kicked in. And I was like, okay, I really want this now. Okay. Um, so I had lost time to make up. But, you know, the comparative literature thing is, you know, that comes into play because I grew, I, I grew up in a house that had a massive library and both my parents and all of my sisters are avid readers. And, um, you know, literature, uh, really great literature was, the uh, the web surfing of its age uh, when I was growing up. It was a far more literate uh, class of people. Everybody was reading the latest uh, Saul Bellow book or they were reading John Updike or they were reading, uh, um, uh, what's his name, the Norman Mailer or the John right. Gideon or whoever. You know, they were reading all these writers. And people had conversations about it. This is this is what the conversation was like at dinner. I mean, they were discussing all of these sort of philosophical themes running through the works, and 
you know, it was just a much different, and, and, you know, kind of tying that into sort of some, some uh, simmer down politics. And it, it just, it was just a whole different uh, mentality back then. And, and that's what I grew up with. So that's what I was used to. Um, um, and that's what I was going to school for. I was going to, I was probably going to be an English major and just read books. Uh, and that was that. And that's, what, that's what I wanted to do because it's how I grew up. Right. Um, and I, I, you know, it was either that or ski racing. <laughs> <laughs> Both great options. The, the thing I, the, but there were no mountains in this, you know, I was on this little ski team when I was 10 and I, I loved skiing more than anything. That was the thing that I loved of the sports was, was the skiing. Um, and we'd go to the Poconos because I was in South Jersey. So we'd go to the Pocono mountains in the winter. Um, and I just loved it. I just loved it so much. And I, I you know, I started when I was seven years old and I, it's a, it remains a passion today. So that's kind of my thing. Um, so, you know, that, so anyway, so I, I ended up, uh, uh, getting drafted, uh, by the Atlanta Braves and I got, you know, I was drafted by the Blue Jays and then I was, I didn't sign. I drafted by the Oakland A's, didn't sign, uh, two of the biggest mistakes of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh-huh. you know, that, that first best offer is, you know, that, that, that's, I should have gone to Toronto. I probably would have had a 15 year major league career, but I just didn't, I, again, just a, a dumb kid who wasn't aware of the opportunity at the time that I created for myself um, because there were a lot of people in the baseball world were like, you're back. Wow. What happened to you? And they were aware of me as a freshman in high school. Wow. Um, yeah. They were aware of me when I was in junior high. Um, and my old Legion coach said, you just blew the mind of the baseball world when you disappeared. They could not believe it because they were tracking you to be the top pick out of, in the in the June draft at high school, you were going to go number one to whoever had the first pick. Holy crap! <laughs> um, yeah, and right. I just was not aware. Right. Listen, I'm honestly telling you this. I was not aware of this. Hmm. It didn't. Nobody told me. I I didn't think that I was special. I I knew I was good. Right. You know, but I didn't think that I was that good. Um, I never would have allowed myself to think that one dad be considered the best player in the nation in high school or in college, you know, just no way. There's just no way. Um, so anyway, um, um, so that's how I got into pro ball. The third time I was drafted with Atlanta, I, I signed and had a seven year minor league career filled with disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got, I was with Atlanta for a couple of years in, in, in the low minors. And then, oh, and then I got up to triple a with them in year three and, Beginning of the year, they traded me the Yankees, and it was kind of all over after that. Yeah, because uh, I I did not fit into their culture at all, well, and it just became this this very uncomfortable personality conflict kind of a thing with them. Got it. Um, you know, I'm I'm a David, I'm not a Goliath. I don't want to be on a team of Goliaths. Like it's obnoxious. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know, the, 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 the awe and wonder of putting on the pinstripes wore off very, very quickly when I realized how, uh, corrupt and how political that whole thing was over there. Uh, I, I didn't function well, uh, there. It's like a 
giant fear club where everybody was terrified of Steinbrenner. It was just, it was, it was awful to be in that uh, ecosystem. It was awful. And I did not do well. You know, I was an independent spirit, a grown up, and I did not need people telling me what to do on that level on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, just let me play. <laughs> it's like, get out of my ass and just, yeah. Jesus. And I actually, I remember saying, like, after the first couple weeks being with that organization, I went into the manager's office. I said, is this what it's really like here? <laughs> Are you going to do this every day like this? Yeah. <laughs> you realize we're adults, right? I mean, I'm I'm the youngest one here. I was what twenty two years old hmm. when I when I got to AAA with Columbus uh, or with the Yankees, and I said, "But is this really what it's like?" <laughs> and was he he just because straight face like yes? He said, "He goes, what do you what do you, he didn't even know what I was talking about?" Oh, yeah, because I I come from a, the Atlanta uh, minor league system, which is just filled with you know. You know, just the greatest coaches and managers and the coolest people, and they just left you alone. And, yeah. you know, they treated you like you were a responsible adult, and they were not up your in your grill all the time. Right, right, right. It's interesting. And the Yankees, yeah. And, and the Yankees are like, you know, your hair's getting a little long, you know, and you probably should go to the trim. And I'm like, you go away. <laughs> <laughs> what are you focused on? I mean, it was Image. such a bizarre it was such a bizarre experience. Yeah. I mean, it, it rubs me the wrong way all of the time. And I just, I, it was the wrong place for me. I'm not, look, for a lot of guys, it's it's a perfect fit. Sure. And good for, right? Uh, I did not adapt to that culture at all. Yeah. Um, so there you go. That's, so what was the, <laughs> yeah, what was the, what was the decision there? Were you like, this is, I'm done, I'm good. And what uh, else is out well, there? Well, I was, you know, I was, you know, I was making all-star teams and leading yeah. the, the Southern League and pitching and uh, uh, ERA and, you know, all the important stats. And I wasn't getting a chance to pitch in New York. Uh, I remember once they told me I was in 1983, I was leading the Southern League after the first half, made the all-star team, first half all-star team, was the best starting pitcher statistically. Uh, in the Southern League in the first half of the 83 season. And manager told me, I was, you know, the Yankees called and they're going to call you up tomorrow, so you're going to miss your next start. And, you know, I called my mom, I called my dad, called my friends. And then the next day came and said, well, you're, you're just going to go back to AAA. And, I mean, it's kind of hmm. garbage they pull. And not, they would pull this garbage on people all the time. Yeah. Um, it was it was just a very abusive culture. It was really just I I was so happy to get out of there. I was so happy when the Texas Rangers drafted me in the Rule Five draft, and I had my only real shot at you know uh, making a major league roster. And it you know it didn't work out, but at least I had the opportunity. Yeah, um, I was not getting that opportunity at all with the Yankees at all. No matter what I did. I was never going to get a shot. And um, it was just wasted time. They just wasted my time. Damn. Uh, and, you know, that, but they did that to a lot of guys. So, yeah. so you know, cor corporations do this with 
like big tech does this with other technologies and, and sports teams do it with people they don't want to face in the playoffs. Although they might not have plans for them in their organization. They don't fit in. They know they don't fit in. They'll, they'll purchase them somehow and then just put them on the shelf and age them. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a tough world out there, man. You know, you gotta, (laughs) you know, I, I I think minor leaguers have more rights now and, I don't know if they're unionized. They have a separate union. They're part of, I think, the Major League Baseball Players Union. Um, but it's, you know, and it's a lot better being in the minor leagues now. You can actually make good money. Sure. Um, but, but back when I played, it, it was, it was you know, you weren't there for the money. You were there for the love of it. So. Of course. Uh, and I think I hang on a lot longer now because they can make good money. They can can have a life and buy a home and raise a family and yeah, you know, if they're going to be light and triple A then they're still going to make a good salary. So it's, 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 it's a lot better situation than when I played. So, yeah. uh, yeah, after, you know, I, I started, I, I lost my love of it and I, I had to walk away. So, because once the passion goes, it's, it's, you know, you can't, you can't compete unless you love it, you know? Of course. Yeah. So, so, well, so where did you walk to? Where did you head? Uh, I went to Europe for about a year and a half. And, Amazing. Yeah. And that wandered was- around, had experiences and just got baseball out of my system. And sure. I just, I just needed something that was not, um, in any way related to anything I'd ever done before. I needed some new experiences and had some thinking to do on a career. And then I met an American couple in Italy and they were both the acting students and I stayed with them when I went to New York and went into their acting class and that's kind of how it all started. Um, and I liked the acting aspect of it because it was academic. It required lots of reading, lots of analysis. And I just thought it was something as a craft that I could build on every day. It's, you know, it's a skill set. Um, so, so I thought that's the interesting part for me is that the older I get, the better I'm going to get at this. And, you know, I'll, I'll maybe when I'm 80 years old, I'll maybe have the hang of it. And, um, but it's, you know, it's a big learning curve and it's, but you can still work and thrive when you're not, you know, a 10th degree black belt in acting. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I love the, I, I just sort of love the literary part of it and the writing part of it. Uh, the actual acting for me was less, um, I mean, on uh, theater, yes, because that's very, you know, live theater, there's nothing more vital when it's done well. Right. Um, but being on a set is great up to a point, but being in a series can really kind of drain your, your battery. And, you know, that. it's true with the, it is. It's true what they say. And, uh, you know, I used to get this warning a lot from from my acting teachers in New York uh, who said, careful which roles you choose to play because there's only so many roles you have in you um, in a lifetime. So, you, you know, I, 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 you know, Gilmore Girls burnt me out because it was seven years, 154 episodes. And then I did another year on a series. And then in 2010, I did another year on a series. So I did nine full years of 
series television. And by 2011, I was just like, I was exhausted from it. Um, and you know, I'd done over 200 episodes of television in a decade and it was just like, good Lord, I need something. It's enough. You know, it's like, I mean, if if I wasn't going to get my own series and be an executive producer and really have some creative input in it, then I didn't really want to be involved in it. Um, and so, you know, that that that's there's that. I'm cu- I'm curious. What was the uh, what was the point where you got exhausted? You know, burnt out. Was it year seven, year six? Was it somewhere in like four uh, no. or five? No. Um, no, I probably year two. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's when you, you know, you know, it was difficult. It was knowing that that you were doing uh, awards worthy work, and that everybody else was too, and not getting recognized. Yeah. So you 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 started feeling like, what's the point here? Hmm. Um. And listen, having a steady job in in this town is uh, in the acting world is rare, and it's a real gift. Yeah. So I always tried to look at it like that because, um, um, you know, it was a ste- it was a steady paycheck that was bigger than anything I was ever going to see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know. And I always and I always dabbled in the stock market. So for me, it was just more fuel for for investing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I figured if I wasn't going to get recognized for my work, uh, uh, and I, I I just could sort of increase my positions in in stock <laughs> <laughs> yearly. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, it, it's interesting. It's interesting what what path your life takes and why it goes there. And that's the reason. I mean, if they, it's, it's probably a good thing because I'm, I'm a hell of a lot richer now than I would have been if they were throwing statues at me. Um, yeah, possibly. Yeah. So, so, but it's, it's frustrating to do something that often. And I mean, I know the work that we were doing was top shelf. Primo. Um, really great. And we, yeah. we we just were not being recognized by anybody. We weren't taken seriously by anybody. <clears throat> and whether that's because it was the network or, or nobody could really, in an, any kind of awards committee, could wrap their head around, well, is it a drama? Is it a comedy? What is it? And there's no category for dramedy. Um, you know, it's very frustrating to get passed over year after year after year. So it started feeling like I was with the Yankees again <laughs> I was in the minor leagues in AAA, and I was getting passed over year after year. After year. <laughs> like, I was like, "Am I in this position again?" Well, at least I'm getting paid for it now, right? So, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the fans are are fantastic. They're 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 lifelong, and they're it's it's just an incredible uh, uh, aspect of that whole of this whole experience. Probably the best aspect of the whole thing. Um, but after. When, when there's no recognition and you just kind of feel like you're just sort of stuck in this rut. Yeah. And why are you going to work? Why are you putting in these 18 hour days? What, you know, you know, you, you feel like you're doing really solid work and you know, the work coming at you from the other actors is top notch. And it's just like, wow. Right. And 
you know, we knew it. We knew we were really good at what we did, and nobody cared hmm. in town to recognize us. And it was hard. It's, that's a hard thing to deal with. And I think it made certain people in our cast not want to do it anymore. Understandably that so. Happened. I mean, that's understandable. I, I think so, right? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, you're doing this job if you're the lead of a show yeah, and you're not being recognized at the level that you feel you deserve, you are going to move on. And I think that was a, uh, a, a big tragedy and it, and it caught, well, it's not a big tragedy. I don't want to get melodramatic, but, um, <laughs> but it, 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 you know, it cost, it, yeah. it cost everybody, yeah. you know, at least three, four more years of a run on that show right. uh, by being, by being passed over. So, you know, yeah, you just, you, you want to be a part of something that is being recognized, you know, because we, we watched people go to the award shows every year that, I mean, we could have, we could have done that stuff in our sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we were doing, I mean, we were doing live theater every day. We were doing, you know, 10, 12, 13 page scenes, nothing but black ink on the page and just nailing the hell out of it. I mean, we were a better cast than maybe anybody working in the television space at that time. And the only other cast I can think of was, um, uh, what was the, uh, the political show at the time? Um, oh, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, what was it? West Wing. Yes. So, so West Wing had some challenging dialogue and some very, some long scene. I mean, they were doing outstanding work, but they were getting recognized all the time and winning awards. And we're like, wait, well, we're doing the same thing over here. <laughs> right. So, but we got, we got no love. What are you going to do? You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 